0: Sisters, would you please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12? We have been studying the book of Hebrews, understanding the crisis of faith that these Jewish Believers find themselves, whether they have truly committed themselves to Christ or not, we would call them on the fence. Do you know anybody that's on the fence? And it comes a time when you have to say one thing. Are you in or are you out? Are you in or are you out? And there are times in our lives, and I believe that there are seasons in mankind's history where God does a shaking on each generation to where he will have to cause us to say whether we're in or we're out. Before any war, I remember Gideon's army, and he would ask, are you in or are you out? He was satisfied with that, but God took it even a step forward and whittled it even further down from those who were in or out. If you're afraid, go. If you are more worried about your family, go. you in, you out. And the writer of Hebrews has come to that point to ask that question. Either you're in or you're out. Make your calling and election what? Sure. And so this morning, that's the emphasis of this last portion of the book of, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews. Are you in or are you out? That's really the theme when you would boil this thing down. So the first thing he says is this. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. This isn't a question of, do you accept Jesus or not? We have set that as the bar of salvation. Do you accept Jesus or not? What does that mean to people? Do I accept Jesus? As far as they knew, sure, I accept him. He's a great guy, yeah. Loving, peace-loving, it said wonderful things. I'll accept him. But we have a different meaning. We say, do you accept his work on the cross? But a lot of people don't understand this. Uh, do you understand the substitutionary, substitutionary atonement? He died for your sins so that you would have his righteousness. Do you accept that? Sure, I'll take that. We'll take whatever, they'll take whatever we give them because it's easy to say, yeah, I I take that. But the real question is, are you saved or aren't you? Will you give your life to Jesus Christ or not? Salvation is not do you accept Jesus or not, salvation is will you die in Christ? Because that's what baptism represents. Baptism's a nice ceremony. We get you wet, we get them out, and you said, I've accepted Jesus. What it means is you have died to yourself, your ways, your agenda, your life, and you are completely sold out for Jesus Christ. Now, either you're in or you're out. And we're fooling people by, uh, come on. How many of you know within this room, I'm sure everybody in this room saved. I don't, but if I were to ask everybody, you accept Jesus? Sure, I accept you. Yeah, I accept him. You see what I'm getting at? Have you surrendered and identified your death in Jesus Christ so that you can be born of the Spirit? He says that you cannot please God except by being holy. It says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You must be holy. Ah, now we shift. Okay, I better get my hair cut. I better change the way I dress. Better stop this and that. And that is not holiness. But we've taught that too. Holiness is being of the same nature as God. That's what it means. Be ye holy as I am holy. It's not a question of what you don't do. It's a question of your nature. Have you died to Adam and the flesh and are you now raised to life because of the work on the cross, born of His Spirit, now of Christ's nature? Because you will never see God unless you're of His nature. The Spirit of God dwelling in you And that's what he's telling the Hebrews. Oh, you've got candles you light. You've got a temple. You've got history. You've got genealogy. You've got priests. You've got tribes. You've got banners. You've got all this great history. But are you born of the Spirit? Because if you're not holy in your nature, you cannot see God. Jesus said this, God is a Spirit. Those who worship Him must worship Him in what? Spirit, His nature. We sing songs. Hallelujah, bless the Lord. Glory, glory, glory. Anybody can learn to sing like that. I'm not mocking. I'm bringing truth. Anybody can learn the songs the saints sing. But the big question is, are you in or are you out? You can sing the songs. You can learn the language. You can go through the ceremonies. But are you born of the same nature of God? And you can't do that. Only God can do it by your repentance and coming to the cross. By faith, God will birth you of his nature. And it's the only way you will see God is to be born again. Is this too harsh? of a message. It is for TV, and it is for many folks. I'm not going to judge other people. Many evangelists have said that. I'm not the one to judge whether people are not. Fine, don't judge them, but give them the truth. You don't have to judge someone. I don't want to judge anyone, but I'll speak Scripture to you. You determine whether you're in or whether you're out. We all have crisis of faith. Amen. I'm belaboring the point. I must move on. Without holiness, no man will see God. God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit, in nature, the same nature of God. You cannot approach a holy God by the flesh. That's what he's telling Israel. Israel, you can't approach the holy God by the Old Testament covering. It's done. Messiah has brought the nature of God into your being if you will accept it. And he goes on and he gives an example. Let me give you an example of Esau. Do you remember Esau? He said he was godless. Esau was godless because for a single meal he sold his inheritance rights to his oldest uh, to, uh, his brother. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. I've seen people cry over their sins. And a week later, I don't see the nature of God in them. But they cried. There were tears. They wept at the altar. That's not what gets you born again. An encounter with the living God does. Paul, in fact, distinguishes between two kinds of sorrow. He says there's godly sorrow... And godly sorrow leads to what? Repentance. See, we have a problem. We have identified repentance as sorrow. Do you know what? Do you know? Here, I'm going to throw something at you. You can repent without even being sorry. Repentance is a change of mind. Now there are certain particular besetting sins in my life that I am so fed up with them I can't shed a tear over anymore. I just got to make up my mind I'm done with that thing. I'm sick of it. I'm going this way and I'm not turning back. Repentance is a change of mind. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. We do need to be broken over this thing, broken over our sin, but you need to change your mind. He said worldly sorrow does not lead to repentance. You're just upset. That you're in the state you're in. So, folks, could I encourage you when you see someone in sorrow, examine it? I don't know how many drug addicts and how many alcoholics have come weeping to me and trying to minister the grace of God and the love of God. And guess what? They know how to boohoo, they know how to cry. They know how to be broken because their life stinks. Now the fruit of that repentance is are you ready to change? Thank God you're crying. That's wonderful. We can get past that now. Are you going to commit your life to Christ? Are you ready to take on the nature of God instead of the nature of alcohol? Does this sound too rough? It's real. After you've worked with addicts long enough, you're past the tears. And you're really quick to determine if this is godly sorrow or worldly sorrow. And you begin to discern in the spirit. He says, Esau, remember, how many of you remember, Esau was out hunting and he's famished. And so he comes in and his brother is cooking stew. His brother was a chef, he was the hunter. That's true, right? Jacob stayed home with mom. Mom. Esau went out and hunted. He was a man's man. He was all fuzzy and furry. and He's been out running in the fields all day. I'm tired. Jacob was at a little bit of this. I think this will taste good. Ooh. And Esau says, let me have some of that. Maybe. Come on, I'm hungry. Look it. You give me your birthright, you can have a bowl of soup. And he said, yes! So what would that lead you to? How high did he regard his birthright? Not very. He sold it for some soup. Look it, figure this out. All right, I'm not saying he was not smart, but if he was near Jacob and Jacob was cooking and he was near the kitchen, how far do you have to go to get something for yourself? Am I right? So it says that he was rejected and he could not find repentance. Now you can look at that two different ways. He could not find repentance from his father Isaac even though he was crying over losing the blessing. You see, it says he wept because he did not receive the blessing. He didn't weep over selling his birthright. He wept because he didn't get the cash course, we understand it wasn't cash. It was animals. It was livestock. It was the blessing of God and all that. We get that, but I'm simplifying it. What he couldn't get, he he was upset and crying because he didn't get what he wanted. He didn't want the birthright. He wanted the cash. Do you understand what I'm saying? Simplifying it. The other way to understand that is he couldn't find repentance in himself. He was not sorry for what he did. He got the food he wanted, but he also wanted his cake and eat it too. Are you in or are you out, Esau? Do you understand the seriousness of this birthright that the God of Isaac and the God of Abraham was going to impart a blessing onto you? Are you in or are you out? I would definitely say this dude was out, but he cried and he begged. God examines the motives of our hearts. Brothers and sisters, you're here today. You might be in a tough situation. You might be in a bad situation. You might be upset with where you're at. You might be crying over where you're at and sorry you're where you're at. But, is it godly sorrow that will lead to repentance to God? Or is it worldly sorrow, you're just in a bad place. I'm not trying to work up your emotions. I'm trying to work up your spirit. Are you in or are you out? Examine yourselves. You cannot approach a holy God without being of His nature, holiness. And that is of His spirit. That is of His fruit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. These are the nature's Uh, of god's own nature and if that is not abiding in you then you cannot approach him you're not in you're not in i'm going to say it one more time to some of you that need an awakening are you in or are you out He goes on after he talks about Esau and he starts to contrast the covenants and he says, look at you're not at a mountain, Mount Sinai, where it was dreadful and awful and scary, where God's voice was booming. Animals couldn't even stand on it. He goes this, you've not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, the darkness, the gloom, the storm, a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they couldn't bear what was commanded. Even if an animal touched the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. Now that's an awesome situation to be in. Our God's a holy God, a consuming fire. That's, That's amazing, wouldn't you say? God visits earth and trembles the mountain? He said, you haven't come to that. He's comparing... The contrast between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. He said, that's awesome and that's amazing. But that was earthy. Our Savior is heavenly. He said, I want you to make your mind. Are you in or are you out? Are you going to stay in that Old Covenant or are you in the New? Because he said, you didn't come to that mountain. In fact, he said, you have come to Mount Zion to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, a mediator of the new covenant and sprinkled by the blood that speaks of a better covenant than Abel. Where do you want to be? A light show or the presence of God? Rock concert or the rock? You in, you out. You live in your life by law or by the mercy of God? You in or you out. Your effort or His? You in or you out. What's it going to be? Choose you this day whom you shall serve. You in or you out. Man, I want to be to the New Jerusalem. I want to be in Mount Zion where thousands and thousands of angels are singing in joyful assembly and all the saints have their names written down in glory. That's where I want to be. To that of a better covenant. Do you want to be of Abel? Or do you want to be of Jesus? Make up your mind. That's, you see, we're at the conclusion of the letter now. Make up your mind. You in, you out. Go back to Mount Sinai, Hmm? Go ahead. Curtains and veils, bulls and lambs and goats, which add up to nothing. Or a risen Savior who died for you and has brought you to the presence of God's own throne room. You in you out? Esau or Jacob? Holy or flesh? You in or you out? Are you in terror or in love? Are you afraid or in faith? Are you in or are you out? Many people have come to Christ, but they still live under the old regulations of fear and terror. We have a mediator and a high priest that speaks a better word than Abel. Abel cried for justice. Jesus cried for mercy. What are you under? You want justice? How many people complain to God, it's not fair, it's not fair? Really? You want justice? Are you sure? You want justice? Because justice says, you shall go to hell in eternity for your sin and your nature. Mercy, the blood of Jesus Christ, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mercy, mercy, mercy. How do you approach a living God? By his nature, given to you by him. Not by your acts and works of righteousness attained by your best effort. You in or you out, what's it going to be? Get some clarity. Get some clarity, brothers and sisters. Now, we go on. He says this in uh, verse 25. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. Wow, really? Every one of us does this every day. We refuse him who speaks. In varying degrees, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you say that the Holy Spirit is constantly prompting you leading you, guiding you, pray it a little longer, speak to someone else, move, sing to me, respond to me. Make sure you do not refuse to him who's speaking. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to say to these folks. Do you understand who's talking to you? The Holy Spirit of God. God is talking to you. God is talking to you. Don't refuse him. Talk to the hand. Don't do that. Don't refuse God's speaking to you. This morning, there have been people who you've been crying out for to get saved. You've been witnessing to the lost. Uncle Joe, Aunt Maud, all the people that you'll see at Thanksgiving. Try again and try again. They may refuse Him who is speaking. We are written epistles whose letters are written upon our heart and upon our actions. Everything we do is gospel. At least it's supposed to be. You in or you out on this? you see and the holy spirit is going to keep checking us don't refuse me are you in or are you out don't refuse me are you in or are you out do you want salvation who wants salvation here anybody wants salvation you in or are you out on this oh it's great it's free come and get it after you die after you die you in or are you out I'll never forget the testimony of Steve Upshur, the pastor of of Peacemakers. When he first got saved, he was so ignorant of what it meant for salvation, uh, uh, yet he was so done with his sin and so done with his life being so broken that when the pastor told him, you must come up front and die to Christ, he literally thought he had to come up and die. Literally. And you know what amazes me about his testimony? He was ready to. He said, I am so sick of my drug-drenched life. I am so sick of serving the demons of my flesh that I am willing, if that man says, I will go to heaven, but I must die, I'm ready to die today so that I can at least get to heaven. He was at a point of crisis where it was more valuable to him to know Christ than to live. That's salvation. That's salvation. You in or you out. And that man said, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I remember the story of a little boy whose sister needed a blood transfusion. And he was the only one that had the same blood type. And when the doctor said, okay, now we need to take your blood and give it to your sister. The little nine-year-old boy actually thought he was going to die. And he said he was scared. He was crying. He wept. And everybody said it was going to be fine. (laughs) Didn't say a thing, shivered and shook and was obedient and said, yes, I will, and went. And when the whole procedure was over and he opened his eyes up, he was relieved to find out he wasn't dead. And when they found out what he had thought, oh, honey, no, how could you think? No, 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 why would you do this? because my sister needed my blood. The kid was ready to give his life. You in or you out? There is a shaking, brothers and sisters, that is coming. We serve a holy God. You are either holy or you're not. In other words, you're either born of His Spirit or you're not. Now, we are being made holy, he tells us. We are in the process of this sanctification but by faith we're immediately sanctified through the blood. So our salvation's immediate, not based on what we do. That sanctification and new birth comes immediately by faith. But it's because we have died to our selfish ways, and we are being conformed to the image of Christ. So it is a work in progress, yet it is immediate and perfect and complete at the moment of your birth of Christ. You're born into righteousness. Now, But the question is, because what we've done as a church is uh, universally, we have made salvation something of simply a vote. You vote for Jesus? You accept Jesus? We've not taught and told the whole story. And so do these Jews who want to pick Jesus one day and want to go back to the synagogue the next day. The writer's saying, are you in or out? One or the other. Don't refuse him who's speaking. If they do not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we? If we turn away from him who warns us from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more I will shake not only earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is, created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Here's the final test of whether you're in or out. A whole lot of shaking going on. L- Literally in 70 AD, Jerusalem shook in terror as Titus, the Roman emperor, came in and destroyed the temple and all of Jerusalem. There was a shaking coming. But that is prophetically also speaking of the shaking that's coming to the earth in the last days. And what he is speaking of is the prophecy that the prophet Haggai spoke in Haggai 2.6. This is what the Lord Almighty says in a little while. I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations. And the desired of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. There's a shaking coming. It's a shaking that is going to determine whether you're in or whether you're out. You in or you out. In the comfort days, there's a lot. Well, they called them sunshine patriots in the American Revolution. Everybody ever hear that term? Sunshine Patriots. When the weather was good, they'll fight for the American Revolution. Weather not so good, you know, don't call me today. I don't feel like it. Sunshine Christians. But there's going to be a shaking that's coming, brothers and sisters. And that shaking is going to shake everything that's loose. So that which imitates the nature of God, that which imitates Christianity, that's that it, what imitates spirit will be shaken things shaken in the heavens and on the earth everything in creation will be shaken and what will happen those things that are not connected to god those things that are not of the spirit of god will break off fall off that which will be can be shaken will be shaken so that what cannot be shaken will remain so i got to ask you this question you in Are you out? When the shaking comes, are you going to be shaking all about? Okay, it's the hokey pokey. I can't help it. (laughs) Put your right hand in. Put your left hand out. Put your whole self in. Shake it all about. But when that shaking comes... Now, listen, I'm burdened with this. I was talking to someone just, I think, yesterday considering all the people we know who are not saved. And to consider when that shaking comes, we'll be able to identify them. There's a lot of imposters. There are people in the church and, and you're posers. There's posers. And, and, and oh, if the Spirit of God could reveal the imitation Sometimes the only way to reveal it is through crisis. Sometimes your best effort to stop a crisis is going to interrupt what God's trying to shake loose in somebody's life. The shaking's coming. Examine yourself. What actually happens most of the time in a church is those people who are truly saved and feel the move of the Holy Spirit, I preach a message, are you in or not? And, and they're the people who are like weeping and, oh, Jesus, I want to be in. I'm sorry. I'm this and that. You're the people that don't need it. You're in. <laughs> it's the people that are like, whatever. What time is it? Holy Spirit, open our eyes, every one of us, our ears. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Now, with all that shaking going on, I want to be in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I want to be in. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. There is an acceptable worship. There is an acceptable worship. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying is the Old Testament standard is no longer acceptable. Killing bulls and goats and lambs is no longer acceptable. Your high priest and your ceremonies and your ethnicity is no longer acceptable. You must worship him in spirit and in truth. There is an acceptable form of worship to a holy God. You must worship Him in His nature and in His realm by the Spirit. And you must be able to distinguish spirits. All sorts of crazy spiritual stuff going on hooting and hollering and this and, and that and, and shaking and flying and barking and crawling and you name it, we got it. Some real, some false. How do you distinguish between it? Spirit to spirit. You've got to understand the things of the spirit. There is an acceptable way of worship. It is not a particular form. It's not a particular style of music. It's not a particular posture. It's not a particular this or that. It is of the Spirit of the Lord. And we, the people of God, must be able to discern what is of the flesh, what is of the Spirit of God, and what is of the Spirit of the devil. There's got to be an acceptable form of worship. He says what is acceptable is reverence and awe to God. Anything that exalts a man, anything that exalts a church, anything that exalts the flesh, anything that exalts the experience over awe and reverence to God Almighty is unacceptable are you in or are you out for our God is a consuming fire now there's only one thing that fire cannot destroy fire it'll burn everything else up but fire begets fire It must be of the same nature. To worship God in reverence and in awe, to approach a holy God, you must be of His nature. Our God's a consuming fire, therefore you must be fire. You must be a consuming fire. Are you a consuming fire of God's love, a consuming fire of His own nature? Maybe the ashes are getting cold Maybe there's just a little bit of ember left. Paul says, stir it up. Stir it up. So it begins to fan the flame. Fan the flame so that your nature in God will correspond with God Himself. He's a consuming fire. And if you are not a fire, you will be burned. So I close this morning with this one question. And the one thing he was asking Those believers, well, so-called believers, wannabe believers, this question. You in or you out? Put your religious history behind you and come to a living God. Begin to get ignited in the Spirit of God. Become one with His nature through salvation in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. When you're burning, it doesn't matter if everything else around you is shaking. When you are on fire for God, it doesn't matter what someone does to you. You're burning in God. You're alive in God. Our God is a consuming fire. Father, consume me. Would you buy your head